And welcome in to another edition of Broadcaster Hour. I'm Roger Hoover alongside Kyle Crooks, and he's in Florida. I'm in Greenville, South Carolina. Let's head down the road to Columbia, South Carolina, the Soda City, and welcome in ESPN's Kevin Fitzgerald, who joins us this week. Kevin, how's everything going, man? Fellas, I'm good. I appreciate the invitation. Pleasure to join you guys. Well, Kevin, we got two Jersey guys on this uh, podcast. Uh, I'm a Paquanic guy. You're a Hillsborough guy. So Central North Jersey representing here on this podcast. For you, when did the passion start for all this? Was this a fairly early thing that you knew you wanted to get into sports broadcasting? Yeah, I think so. And, and Roger, sorry, we're, we've outnumbered you <laughs> on your own show. Um, no, but yeah, Kyle. Hey, we are two Appalachian League guys, at least. Kyle's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> Kyle, we how the tables have turned but yeah I, I would say it's it's funny you ask that when the the interest is born I think we all look back and we wonder like wait a second what like how did I kind of develop this and uh, I was always interested in uh, in in broadcasting communications uh, it's funny when when you watch you watch sports you know you're watching it for the action but I always remember just being intrigued by the the, the voice like the voices like who's calling this game or you know the, the the sports center like who's doing the six o'clock who's got the the nine a.m. on a Saturday, that always was was interesting to me, I and, and people have asked this and and I I truly point back to this this was the first recollection of me being interested in 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 a call in a broadcast I don't know if you guys remember these but but every Super Bowl I think it was ESPN Classic would air these would air the kind of condensed uh, NFL films recaps of every Super Bowl and I remember you know you'd watch the Super Bowl is a huge day in, in our in our household like it is for many many people and like I would watch those I was hooked like hours before the game they'd be running them nonstop. but you know so you'd hear the radio call matched with the action matched with the slow-mo and and the sound bites from the coaches and that was where I, I first have a recollection of saying, what is that? That that sounded awesome. You know, that sounded really cool. What What is this? Oh, it's the voice of the team, so on and so forth. So from that point on, I was I always wanted to know, hey, who's calling the game? You know, who is who's on the call? What's the broadcast team? The phrases, so on and so forth of of so many talented broadcasters. So that's where I, I it kind of derived from was was just the interest in, in basically knowing, like, who is this? Who is on the call? So I assume you grew up with the same voices I did, you know, Ian Eagle, Michael Kay, Howie Rose, Gary Cohen. Um, were those the early influences for you, the, the guys in that market? Yeah, you're right on. And, and Mike Breen as well yep. and, and Marv Albert, you know, like 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 Mike Breen and, and, and Walt Clyde Frazier. You know, like I wanted to know Clyde's phrases for, for that, <laughs> you know, that night's broadcast. It would always be something different, of course. But it was those were the, the 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 kind of the influential voices I think for me, and and then you start to, f to figure out their backgrounds and and how they get to where they are now. You know what what did they do? Where did they go to school? Uh, what what are the skills that you need? But I I contend that a couple of those names that you said are are some of the best to ever do it, and they're still doing it right now. You know Mike Breen's been the voice of the finals, the NBA finals for a decade and a half. Ian Eagle, you're talking about one of the most authentic, uh, hilarious broadcasters, and and someone who's just outstanding at what he does. So it, it, they're they're very talented. I think when you, uh, you know, Kyle, like like you and I, when when you grow up there, and that's what those are the voices that you're surrounded by, or those are the voices that you hear on a, on a given night. Um, it, it's pretty neat because they are some of the best to do it, and they and they they still are. So you know just just kind of hearing some of the best to do it on any given night you could flip on a Knicks game you could flip on a Nets game and and there they are and and those guys in particular are I think you know I, I think about the word authentic and genuine because when when you listen to them they're having fun and and uh to go back to your point about you know were those some of the first to influence you I, I think that was when I realized like if I want to do this let's you know you kind of want to have some fun or make you want the listener to hear you know you having fun i think i think more often than not if if uh, if a listener or a viewer you know kind of sees you having fun they may also as well so it's it's kind of you know informed but entertain as well and a lot of those guys you mentioned i think are, are the best to do it 
So you hear those voices, you watch all those NFL films, uh, but then you take the next step from being a fan of this stuff to starting to get into the industry and get on the mic just for the first time. What were some of your first steps that you took? You know, I went to school at, at Syracuse University, and it's, you know, to me, I think it's it's the best, you know, broadcast school and communication school out there for a lot of reasons. But, uh, I, you know, I remember when I, uh, Syracuse was always, I knew the name, you knew the brand, you grew up in New Jersey, you watch Big East basketball. So I always I always had an interest in the school for, for a number of reasons, you know, the, the from from the broadcasting side, but also just seeing the seeing the teams, watching them you know, year after year. I think that's a place where I, where you understand pretty quickly, Hey, this is, this is, I can develop here and, and I've got a great, you know, kind of affection for, for doing this. This is the right place to be. So I'll never, I'll never forget when, so my, you know, my first semester when I was at Syracuse, I actually started, I, I did not be start in the communication school. I was always interested. I never, I didn't have any radio stations or, or or tv stations in my high school so i always wondered if i'd ever if i'd be good at it but i i kind of said to myself if i if i develop an interest you know a little bit of a further interest in it maybe i can transfer in i started as a sport management major and in the first week i was on campus uh, you know I, I i got involved or or at least walked over to one of the radio stations and and realized quickly wow this is great i, I want to get involved here and so shortly after that you know, I decided, all right, let me let me transfer into the, the communication school over at Newhouse. But yeah, those it, it, it's real. You know, those first Roger, to your, to your point there, those first uh, attempts, I would say, behind the mic, because those first, you know, those early tapes, they don't they don't sound particularly great. But it, it's kind of the, the reality behind it. You know, that's one of the few careers, I think, or, or majors or just career paths when you're in school, you it's, it's hands-on, you know, you're, there is a microphone right there. You are on the air, whether it's a student radio station or the TV station, so on and so forth. So, you know, it's, it, every time, whether it's early on in your career or now, you know, there, there is that reality to it. You are on the air, that, that red light is on. And to me, that's, you know, that's, it's invigorating. I think a lot of people would say it's, it's invigorating. So even from right, even from the get-go, you're on the air or the the feature that you put together is airing on the broadcast or the interview that you're doing um, is going to be on the air so meaning you know it's it better be quality so make sure you're you're taking this serious i don't someone could flip on your you know your talk show on the student radio station you don't you don't get a pass uh, because it's a student station make sure it's quality make sure whatever you're doing and, and putting on the air is uh you know is with the utmost and and a lot of effort. So even from, I think that's what kind of developed my, my immediate interest was, was just that Roger. I mean, like you're, you're there, it's, it's real, it's hands-on, you're at the game, you're behind the mic, as opposed to, you know, in the classroom, uh, writing a paper, researching a, uh, you know, researching for a paper, all that stuff is important. But I, I think just the reality of it, you know, when we, when we all dive into this business is, Hey, there's the mic. You're on the air. The game is live in front of you, so on and so forth. That's pretty invigorating. And what can you tell us about really the Syracuse style? It seems like even in the last decade or going back years before building up the Sportscaster U brand, when uh, someone graduates from Syracuse, they have a certain look, they have a certain sound, and just they're solid on the mic, whether that's TV or radio. What goes into kind of building a Syracuse Sportscaster in your mind? Well, it's nice for you to say that, but it... I think there is a standard. I mean, I, I really believe that. And it's 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 developed when you are, as I mentioned a second ago, doing the hands-on stuff, when you're at the student radio station, when you're at WAER, WJPZ, there's a couple of different student radio stations on campus, plus the television station, there's a newspaper as well. When, when you do walk into these places, you know, it, it's – you can't miss the history behind it. You know, you, you can't miss the, the, the folks that have come before you and have basically set the standard for, for everyone else who wants to do this. And, and I, I think everybody takes that seriously. You know, we have fun and everything like that, but when you do kind of see the names and, uh, 
you know, the, the Mike Tarikos and the Iron Eagles and the Bob Costases, when you see that, I think it, it, you know, it kind of brings out the, the, um, it brings out your effort, it brings out your will because there is a bar that is set and it's not just that the bar is there, you know, your, your fellow classmates, peers and friends, you know, everybody, there is a, a, a you know, a, a standard that everyone around you uh, makes sure to, to, you know, to keep everybody accountable. And that, I, I think, that accountability, what makes this thing go, particularly at Syracuse, it's the opportunities, too. You know, I, there, there are a lot of great journalism schools and, and universities where, you know, you just you you may not have the chance to call every football game or basketball game and we're really grateful that that is you know we're that was afforded to us at syracuse doesn't matter if it's a road game doesn't matter if it's a home game doesn't matter if it's a, a tournament in maui you know w8er that the student station i remember my senior year uh, you know the, the the basketball team played in maui but it was like hey that's that game is on the schedule doesn't matter now that's you know travel is going to be pretty pricey for that, but the station uh, had a commitment to making this thing as professional as possible. So it was every game, it was every pregame show, it was every postgame show. Uh, you know that we didn't skip a beat. So I, I think that just throw that into the the equation of uh, of the standard and the and the bar that that I was mentioning before. So I think that plays a, a huge part into it. It's it's the great opportunities, and it and it really is thanks to not just you know, the management team over at WAER, but as I mentioned, everybody that comes before us, everybody that that passed through the station and accomplished so much in their professional careers, you know, what 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 I was able to do there was thanks in large part to to that history, no doubt about it. So you see it, and I think it's, you know, it's like you join the Patriots, you join the Yankees. It's I, and I and I bring those examples up because there is when you step in, there is immediately that feeling of accountability and like, this is the way we do it. Well, what about the, no, no, this is the way we do it. And I, and I think to be successful there, you've got to realize that and you better buy in pretty quickly. And I think a lot of people do. So when, when you see everybody else around you taking it seriously, I think that, you know, that obviously is going to influence how you are approaching this stuff as well. Now, I assume, too, correct me if I'm wrong, at a place like WAER, you're not going to get a ton of on-air reps freshman and maybe sophomore year. Um, For you, there's got to be a little bit of an inherent pressure junior and senior years when you do get that opportunity to be on the mic where these are the tapes I'm going to send out to employers once I graduate. I got two years to, to sound good enough to get a job when I leave. There's a lot of pressure in those reps, isn't there, those final two years? I think so, and and it's how you uh, how you make sure that comes out all right is is the preparations in the years beforehand, because that's the really neat part too. You're as you build and as you develop and as you grow, like you said, nothing is guaranteed. So you could you know you could be the best sounding who knows eighteen year old in in the country, um, but it's like hey this this is you've got to you've got to prove to us that you can earn your stripes. So I think the the pressure maybe is uh, is reduced a little bit based on the preparations in the years leading up to that. And there's a cool system in, at, at Syracuse too where there is kind of the main radio station, the main student station. There's another one as well. So so I've referenced WAER, which is the, you know, the iconic station. And of course, every football, basketball, lacrosse game is broadcast there by the students. There's another station that does high school football, uh, women's basketball, and women's lacrosse. So the, the opportunities have basically doubled. And so early on, maybe as a student, you've got a chance to, to, uh, to kind of get your first reps, let's say, on the air over at WJPZ. So there's just, there is a a professional way, if you will, where it's not, sometimes it's, it's, Hey, you gotta, you gotta get to the, go to go on the stands and grab your tape recorder and make a tape. And that's how you get better. But there's kind of this, there's kind of another way where you have a second station where the opportunities have doubled to basically get on the air to your point, Kyle, get that tape, have it looked at. All right, here's, you need to improve ABC. You know, this could have been better. You could have been sharper here, so on and so forth. So when you do, you know, move along and progress, like you said, to your 
your latter years in college, you know, you, you've you got a little more confidence. You've got a little more confidence in what you're doing. So I think just the, the volume of opportunities really helps because there's a lot of games that are on the air and obviously you need people to, to do that. But there is a pretty strict, you know, clearing system. It was it was kind of called, you know, the, the, the process was being cleared to air. And it was, you know, hey, you, that, you've got to improve your play-by-play. You've got to do some features. You got to host. You got to produce the broadcast as well. It wasn't just, hey, you go. You know, these these people are calling the game. Everybody had a role too, so you had to to kind of go through the checklist. You had to produce some games. You had to engineer some games. You got to be behind the board, and and that whole well-rounded approach. I think just when you do get behind the mic and and maybe do the the thing that is of of, of most importance to you, calling the game. A lot of us love to call the game. You just have an appreciation and understanding about how the whole process works. And I think that really does reduce that pressure a little bit. It, you just are better prepared and, and you can't, you have more confidence than you would have early on. And then, though, hey, you've got to nail the call as well. You know, you, you've got to, you know, I remember Adam Amin said this one time, sooner or later, there's there's going to be five or ten moments in a game. Football, you, you better nail it, though. Like, it, it comes down to that, too. You better do your job when when uh, when it really matters so but all of that prepares you for those those moments and Kevin you've had a couple stops in minor league baseball Roger was in it for a while I was only in it for a season those I mean that's those are grueling summers spring summers um, no doubt about it for you having but the, the daily reps of minor league baseball is a special thing that that's one place you go if you really want to develop quicker as a broadcaster if you are in the minor leagues for a long time there's a good chance because of the reps you're going to be a really good broadcaster. What was that minor league experience like for you? Yeah. You know, and I've, I've actually never heard anybody describe it this way, but minor league baseball is a grind. He's <laughs> never used that term before. Huh. But, it, you know, in all seriousness, <laughs> it, is, it is true. But it's, it, it's, it's mass reps, right? It's a, it's a lot of games, and you're on the air every night. So, Kyle, yeah, I, I identified and, and, you know, Roger, I'm sure you would say the same. I, I kind of identified that as an avenue where, sure, it's, you know, look, you know, say goodbye to your summers. You're not going to be at the beach for a, for Fourth of July weekend or, or whatever. But just being in that system was going to help you grow. I think you've all got to, everybody has to make, in any industry, any job, sometimes you got to make sacrifices to uh, to improve, to get better, to, to basically grow your you know, grow your understanding of, of whatever your job is. And so I, I kind of view that as, look, there are going to be long seasons and you're on the air every night. But it's funny, if you want to be a, a broadcaster for a major league baseball team, that's that is that's the job. It, it is every day. But I just liked it because it was the reps. I mean, every night you were on the air, you had a chance to walk away doing something, whether it was improving something or doing something totally new. I Listen, I, some of these broadcasts, we know, I, I think the parents and, and our parents were sometimes the only ones tuning in. But I, I didn't mind that because sometimes I could identify things and say, you know what, I'm just going to try this this tonight. I've never done it before, but, you know, you, you kind of have the the low pressure situation, I guess, of, of doing that. So it's it's a place to try new things, to do things completely different in your call in how you're presenting a nugget, try to, you know, is this stat boring or is it interesting? We'll find out. I'll see how it comes out on the air. And I thought I always viewed that, that, that minor league, you know, you know, working for a minor league team as a place to do that. And I think a lot of us, I think many of us would say that. So, but it is, it's a, it's a lot of games, uh, but I think it, it develops the comfort. I think, again, the more you do something, the more it becomes muscle memory, uh, whether that's using certain phrases, whether that's how you toss to break, how you come back from break, uh, you know, whether it's how you do your post-game show or something like that. Try, you know, try a joke out or something like that. So I think it's the more you do it, the more it becomes muscle memory. And so that's why I always I always viewed that as as minor league baseball as a place to do that. Plus, hey, look, at the end of the day, it's a lot of fun sometimes. You know, you're you're kind of, you're the voice of the team. You're with you're with some great guys, kind of doing uh, this, a similar thing, and that is trying to advance their careers great coaches great stories you know that, that stuff you look back fondly on uh, 
so I think uh, everybody that's there, coach, a player, and then us sometimes, you know, a broadcaster, you're, you're there for a reason because it's a place where you can get a lot of reps to try new things. To me, that was always a key. Try new things. See if you liked it or not. See if the audience liked it or not. Uh, and that was a place to do that. And we had a really similar path, Kevin, and you got to be like the lead voice of an Appalachian League team. You get to be an assistant at Fort Wayne, and then you're back as a lead voice in Columbia. I'm sure just the things you picked up in that Fort Wayne season really helped you when you were the lead announcer once again, just kind of realizing, you know, okay, this is how something in a bigger market works, a bigger team works. That had to be a lot of fun for you. Well, and, and the people that I learned from as well, you know, that you mentioned that season I did. I, I Bluefield, West Virginia, that was the, my, my first job out of school was working for the Bluefield Blue Jays, you know, a, a rookie or advanced rookie affiliate in the Appalachian League. But then, you know, that following summer, I had a chance to work with one of my former, he's a great friend and, and former classmates at Syracuse. His name was John Nolan, uh, and he was the you know, he and he still is. He's the voice of, of the of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. They're a Padres affiliate out in Indiana. But, you know, he's he does everything, media relations, content creation. And I you know, to me, that was a really valuable summer to I knew John and we had called games together. We we obviously worked together at the student stations at Syracuse, but to then work with someone, you know, at a at a in a larger capacity. And learn from someone who, to me, is one of the—he's one of the most versatile and professional broadcasters. Just people that that I've ever met really helped me. You know, you just—you learn when, when you're working with great people. You learn how to better carry. Forget about just broadcasting, but you learn how to better carry yourself. Uh, you know, in the office, for example. You, you know, you learn how to do an interview better. Uh, you improve your communication. You improve so many things that I think, in turn, obviously will. It'll help when you get back on the air too later that night. So working with John was was extremely valuable, really advantageous. And then yeah, you know that that following summer I, I was able to get this job in Columbia, and uh, you know kind of be the voice and 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 do the media relations myself. Uh, so again, it's just that's it's growth, and and I think you know we all we all have to kind of look for those paths and those avenues to grow. However, we determine that that may be or may look like and of course there's a lot of attention on you in Columbia because it's a brand new team so that always gets a lot of attraction and a lot of people listening in but then you get a player named uh, Tim Tebow and that brings a lot of uh, listeners to the broadcast as well did that help make you better knowing that these games are being seen by such a wider audience than maybe if it was just the Columbia Fireflies now you add in Tim Tebow to the mix yeah, I think well. First, so it's funny. Sometimes we uh, we refer to our our jobs in minor league baseball as as you know broadcast and media relations manager or director, and you know there ain't too much media relations to be quite honest. Sometimes this summer there was. This was the first time I think there was. You know, there, it felt like there were some media relations responsibilities, or at least at a grander scale. Um, I, to be honest, that you know Tim being there and and. Um, basically being thrown you know that whole experience i think it helped uh, it kind of helped um not just in terms of broadcasting but you know it kind of helped me in everything outside of that again communication setting things up i mean we had interview requests um and and look there were certainly those were outlier scenarios having somebody like tim there so things had to be coordinated he had interviews he had to get to there were things that uh, he was doing you know whether it was on off days or so on and so forth. So I think it, it I felt like it was uh, helpful for, for a lot of things outside of broadcasting. Hey, how, I've got to manage my time a little better. I've got to manage my schedule a little better. There was a lot more on all of our plates. And so sometimes when, you know, when the pressure is on or more so than it, than it typically is, again, that's another area where you can grow. Like that's another opportunity where you do grow. Uh, but I'll, I'll never. Yeah, the, 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 we never saw crowds like that before. And especially when we were on the road, I'll never forget this one. It was one of our first trips when, gosh, I think we were going up to Maryland and New Jersey. Uh, it's this league is called the South Atlantic League. There's actually a team in New Jersey. So we're on the way up. Yeah, we're in who knows, kind of uh, um, you, um, 
kind of a city, wherever we were, we were in Virginia or something like that. Anonymous city in Virginia, pit stop, grab a bite to eat, that sort of thing. And, you know, all, you just see Tim Tebow walking down the side of Route 27, whatever the road was, by himself, walking towards an Applebee's. And it's like, what? Like, imagine you're in the car driving by and like, that looked like, well, no, it can't be him. So there were so many wild scenarios and, and, and pretty neat stories of having, uh, you know, this iconic football player on the baseball field. And he did it. I, I, I give him credit. I mean, there was he was there every day. You know, there was there was obviously the effort was goes without saying the effort was there. Extra BP. Um, you know, it, it, he there was a commitment, no doubt about it. And, and that just that's Tim. I mean, I think we everybody who has covered him knows that the, the commitment was there. But boy, it was it was a wild scene. And I think I think for everybody it was an opportunity where, where look, there was a lot more on your on our all of our plates than ever before, even compared to the prior season when we opened up a ballpark because it was just it was constant. It was every day. There were a lot of requests. People wanted Tim. They wanted him to do this. They wanted him to do that. There was a lot of coordination. And uh, so I think everybody everybody, you know, had the chance to basically handle a little bit more throughout the, the front office. And, uh, and we had some fun, too. That was that was really cool. The park sold out every night. It's it was uh, it was electric, no doubt. You mentioned his work ethic and the amount of interviews that he had to do, which is, I mean, it's like you said, he's an iconic college football player, uh, but he's somebody who's in the media. So when you go to interview him, is is he accommodating or what is he like in that interview setting one on one? Because you're you're with him all the time. I'm sure he gets to know you as well. Yeah, it's. It was easy, uh, you know, to your point, he, he had done this, you know, he had had many years of seasoning when it came to uh, interview sessions, one on one interviews uh, that it was second nature. It was it was it was easy for him, no doubt. So we would what we would typically do is every time our team played on the road or visited a different a different team on the road for the first time, we would set up a 10 to 15 minute you know, interview session with the local media, because that is, you know, if you're in local media in Rome, Georgia, or, you know, Lexington, Kentucky, you know, that's a pretty, that's a big opportunity to, to get to cover him, you know, during this first foray into, into baseball. And so, but, but it, it was so easy. I remember one time, I forget where we were, but, you know, I, I go to, into the locker room or, or into the clubhouse, wherever we were, because it was getting close to, you know, time for this this 10 minute, uh, you know, media scrub. And I, I couldn't find him or something like that. I remember I remember getting to him and, and I was like, hey, you know, it, it's time. Let's let's do this now or or, or something might have changed because I remember asking him, like, hey, you want to do this right now? And he's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, just let me know. Like, like it was, it, it was kind of, again, he had done this. He had done this for many years. He had faced the the masses of media. Um, you know, I, I remember in, in, uh, in Rome, Georgia, they, this was, this was might've been our first road trip. We get to the park and all of a sudden, you know, we, we, we had this time set up to do the, the media session. And there is like, Two, I kid you not, two red velvet ropes, a table, a chair set up for him. You know, it was like a whole big ordeal. The media had a section and we're walking over and he's like, do I have to sit there? I was like, yeah, this is kind of weird. This is, this is almost <laughs> over. Like, let's, I said like, stay wherever you want. It, but it was funny because it was, it, it was the, it's the cliche of sometimes people rolling out the red carpet. So they were. They were pretty excited when, when he rolled into, but I, I'll never forget the red velvet ropes actually kind of block off the table. And he's like, I'm not sitting there. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I, no, no problem. <laughs> so what's interesting about your journey to getting back to your track is making that jump from minor league baseball and, and doing that grind to, to getting to a network level. For you, what was it like connecting with people around the area to, to try and make that jump? Because I'm sure a lot of people would, would love to do that as well. Yeah. You know, and, and my mentors at the time, you know, I'm lucky to call many of these guys friends now. Uh, a few of them were working at ESPN. And, and you know, so I, I've been lucky to, to be with ESPN for, for five years now and doing a lot of college basketball. But, but a lot of these guys, 
Jason Benetti, Mike Cousins, super, supremely talented broadcasters and great people. You know, they were they were on. You know, they were the ones that I saw. They were on. They they, they had their their work with ESPN. They they were with the network. So when you just start to pay attention as we mentioned Ian Eagle and, and Mike Breen, when the people they really respect are, are I guess at a certain level, you know, you pay attention to it, you see it, you see where they are. And sometimes you say, like, you know what, I want to strive for that. And so, you know, I when I left Syracuse, I, I really didn't have any sort of television tape or, or uh, you know, really any experience. I got some, you know, during my first year at school, really you know, some kind of all college stuff when I was up in, in Burlington, Vermont, I was working for the University of Vermont. But, uh, but I, you know, you start to ask some questions. Hey, what do I need to do to, to, to potentially do something like that down the road? Hey, who's, who's someone who I could just get a tape looked at by? Uh, because at the end of the day, feedback is really important. And, and of course, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to be hired somewhere, you want those people to be familiar with your work if there is a chance to do so. So I remember reaching out to his name was, uh, his name's Chris Farrow. I uh, spent many years at ESPN and, uh, you know, now works at, at Ross Mobile Productions, but I remember just sending him some tape and he was very kind to, to just get back to me and say, Hey, I'll take a look or, Hey, thanks for sharing. And, uh, you know, we, j- we stayed in touch very, very, uh, every once in a while I might check in and, and uh, he was again. He was very kind to 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 kind of uh, to, to basically humor me, I guess, to to take a look and to offer feedback. Most importantly, and you know, just just by staying in touch with someone like Chris, I'll never forget. I I, I get a call out of the blue. It was October of, of 2015, and so I was about a year and change out of school, and with, with no advanced notice or any indication. That, that he was going to call or, and, and I pick up the phone and he's saying, all right, Hey, I got a couple games for you. Are you available this day, this day, this, I was like, you gotta be, of course. I, but I had no idea it was coming. So just staying in touch with him created the chance for, for that opportunity. And, you know, I think he respected my work. And so I'm, he, he knows I own because I am uh, forever grateful for him giving me the chance. And then I think it goes back to that, that, uh, that point, you know that that uh, that piece of advice that Adam Amin shared. So when you you know when you get the chance, you got to knock it out of the park. You know you've got to make sure you deliver because someone you know kind of went out on a limb for you. And so that was how I got the opportunity. And, and it just came from look, a lot of this is timing. Uh, there 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 are supremely talented people out there, um, and, and sometimes it comes down to did did that person just see your email? Did did that person get back to you? And so a lot of it is timing, and you know it kind of worked out timing wise with, with someone like Chris. So that was how I got my foot in the door, and then I've been very fortunate where the the work has, has obviously grown over the years here. But you know sometimes it's that it's that sponsor thing. You got to find that. You know, as as uh, as Doris Burke says, I think um, I think it's Mark Jackson who is kind of her hype person. You gotta you gotta have someone who uh, is is kind of your sponsor or believes in you. And so Chris did, and and um, it, sometimes it's patience too because you never know when that's gonna happen. And you know, I kind of lucked out early on where where Chris took a chance on me. But I, I think everybody, because I you know I've been there too, where where you wonder. When is it going to happen? But patience is a big part of it, and the timing is going to come. But but sometimes it's on its uh, you know it's not on your time. It's it's on someone else's time. So, but putting yourself in that position. So I think it's you know persistence. It's the patience and be willing to just keep putting yourself in that position for the potential opportunity. And that's staying in touch with people. That's that's updating your work, uh, getting get to know the person that may may hire you you know make it a a two-way relationship as opposed to when you know can you help me Uh, how can i help you hey can let's get to know one another that's really important because i think that's when when relationships are genuine that's that benefits everybody yeah that leads into my next question i was going to ask you about kind of that relationship building as opposed to networking and also trying to figure out how to be persistent without being a pest because that's a tricky road for a lot of broadcasters to go down trying to see oh my email went too much is it not enough just how did you approach that 
it's all feel, I, you know, and it's, that is, that, you know, I, I want to answer it better. It, it, a lot, I think it's feel. I mean, you got to have, you got to feel um, the, the um, kind of the, the, the sense of the room or, or kind of what, you know, feel the room, if you will. Um, if, if someone, if, if you feel like you got to know somebody pretty well on a phone call or just in a couple of email exchanges, you know, make sure you put that in the back of your mind, you know, keep it. I do this more now, but even just like journaling, you know, journals, journal stuff, you know, interactions or, or, or uh, things you, you, you find out or learn about somebody. Cause you're right. I think it's, it behooves all of us to stay in touch with, with decision makers and hiring managers. Um, and, and I think if you lean there's always a couple, there's many ways you can go about it. If you kind of lean towards the patient route, play the long game, right? You know, it's, we're all really eager, especially, and I was guilty of it as well. We all are, are eager when we leave school, for example, or when we get those first jobs to, to continue to grow and, and grow fast. Everybody's impatient. We're all impatient. Uh, but I think if, if you can kind of lean a little bit more towards, you know what, let me, I want to get to know this person. And, and, and kind of read the room, get the, you know, it's all feel when it comes to, should I send this now? Am I pestering this person? I think you'll, I, I truly believe instinctually, you'll, you'll know, you'll know, right? If, has someone not gotten back to you? Was, was, uh, has someone not taken a look at your reel? Now that shouldn't, uh, you know, that shouldn't uh, deter you from being politely persistent. I like, I kind of say strategically and politely persistent. There's got, you got to have a plan too. It's one thing to be persistent, but make sure, and, and polite, it's one thing to be persistent and polite, but make sure you got a plan in place as well. And if you believe in that plan of how to grow a relationship, and, and again, a lot of it is instinct. It's based on just what you think, how you feel. But if you believe in that plan, I think that's going to, that'll take the edge off a little bit, meaning maybe that'll take the edge off of, am I doing this right? Am I not doing this right? Uh, is this person interested? Or are they not? Uh, it's it's all feel, but have have a plan in place. Have the strategies. Uh, you know, if it, don't don't bug Ian Eagle during the NBA seat or Mike Breen during the final. You know what I mean? It's like have a, have some strategies involved and kind of figure out when is the right time to reach out to people, when is the right time to follow up. And I think that comes from you know kind of your own instincts. I think I I, I trust that that most people are going to be able to figure out when it's right. And then, yeah, remain, remain persistent and, you know, just you, you keep trying too. you know, it, it never, never let yourself get too down. So it's all a process. So Pharaoh gives you a few games and that leads to just more and more work for ESPN and the SEC network. Uh, what'd you learn during those days about how to deliver solid television play by play and kind of establishing your own style and your own brand of TV play by play? It is a team. I mean, it is all about the team. There's some, <clears throat> excuse me, there, there's some games that I, I think back on. And it's funny because, you you know, you, you you know your work early in your career and you know your work now. And, and sometimes, listen, the call is really important. But on in that television call, it is about the team. I, you know. You got you got to almost have a, a a love of 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 being the good team player. So I think that's important. I I love the like my analysts have been, when that when I know they have great points or insight or things that we discuss leading up to a game. I want to get them that I want to set them up for those opportunities. Um, I think those early years, Roger, to to get back to your question, you you learn how to work with the team and and it's. I think it's less of a, of a selfish thing and more of it's the first time you may be in that environment, that that ecosystem. There's a producer in your ear. Uh, you know, you've got to get you've got to get these notes covered or this stuff in by this date. Uh, you know, you got to give somebody a heads up if you want to bring up this point. What does your analyst want to go into? Uh, and, and a lot of the stuff you learn, uh, uh, a lot of the stuff that that happens in a game is on the fly, too. So by by, you know, gaining reps. Just the, the natural ability to, uh, to to be natural, to be conversational, that develops over time. So I think early on, uh, you know, I, I've kind of got a few, you know, pillars, if you will, of, of, um, of things that I want to do when I'm on the air. And that is no doubt, I, I want the, you know, tee up your analyst. 
I, I want what they want to have to, uh, to basically get over the air that that game that day. I want that to come to fruition because they're listen. That person is the expert. I like that. I kind of like being the uh, you know the, throwing the assist, if you will. Uh, that's number one. Number two, it's it's almost like don't everything that's you know the game in front of us is important. Don't take everything that you have prepared for that game as gospel. And this is important. It's got to happen. Go with the flow. Remember to have some fun too. I, I, it goes back to. Uh, something we were discussing a, a few moments ago. I think I've looked. Be loose, be fluid, have some fun, be entertaining. I I remember this goes back to my the first talk show I ever hosted as a as a freshman sophomore in college. I remember one of my big philosophies was I remember saying this to myself and I say it to myself now. I want the viewer, the listener, to walk away from our game and say that was fun. You know, all right, I'm coming back tomorrow or whatever. And so the more I think the more you do it and the more the comfort grows, the more you're, you'll do that. You'll, you'll let yourself be uh, have a little more fun, be entertaining. Look for the chances to have some fun because we're there to inform, but then entertain as well. You know, never you can't take yourself too seriously or like these stats that I have to get in too seriously kind of let the sometimes let the action come to you so that's that's kind of one of my my philosophies as well but it but it develops as you call more and more games i think that's true be entertaining you know set your analyst up be sure to have some fun uh, and, and match the match the energy that's there too you know i'll never jason benetti kevin brown they're, they're some of the best at it but that was always their feedback even when i was a, a a college student was, you know, you can deliver the energy because, you know, it is a game. This is sports. You know, it's this isn't a uh, you know, it's it's not a uh, it's it's obviously a big environment. There's wherever you are, whether it's football or basketball, there is some electricity. There's some weight to it. So bring the energy. That's really important. Uh, but I think that ties into when you when you know, hey, this is this is let's put on a good show. Let's have some fun. I think that energy part comes from that as well. So those are the things I think from game one that you call to where I am now have have really, uh, you know, th those are the ones where I look back and say that's I think that's most important. And you mentioned the all the bells and whistles with TV and all the things that you have to get used to. You know, one showing your personality, another having a producer in your ear, a director in your ear, making sure that you're following what is on that program monitor and what they're watching at home. What is the process between you and your producer? How much are you hammering that talk back button? What's that in-game conversation like? I think it depends. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think it depends because... Again, it, it, when when you work with people um, often enough, or when you get to know somebody, you get to you understand their preferences. Some producers they they love to hear from you. They want hey, hit me with X Y Z. You know, tell me where you <clears throat> excuse me, tell me where you want to go. What player you're about to share a story on? Hey, feel free to hit me and talk back. Others, you know, they they can <clears throat> excuse me guys, they can follow you. No doubt about it. So you kind of, you know, understand the nuances of each person uh, as you work with him or her more often. But yes, yeah, some want uh, a lot of discussion. You know, others don't need it as much. But I always, you know, I kind of like to utilize the talk back when, when we're maybe going to go into a, a little bit of a heavier story. Uh, something that, you know, I, I think is wise to give folks a heads up on so everybody is prepared. So again, it goes back to you develop your style when it comes to that. But you know, I, I kind of like that sometimes, and especially when you get to know somebody, you're sometimes you're having um, uh, you know some fun dialogue too during the game as well, and that loosens everybody up. So, but it's just the you know you gotta it's processing a lot, no doubt, because you may be communicating or your producer may be communicating with you through talkback while your analyst is saying something. So just be you got to stay calm, obviously, because you, you're going to have to juggle a couple different things. Uh, words from your producer, what your analyst is saying. Also, what's just going on on the court or the field in front of you. So you have to juggle all of that. 
And, you know, so it's that requires a lot of focus. I think the focus is, is really important when it when it pertains to that, the, the various forms of communication that goes on uh, during a, a, a television game. But always remaining, you know, staying calm, staying focused and staying loose. And just know as you're going into it that you're, you're obviously going to have to juggle multiple things at at one time. But the more you do it, the more it becomes second nature, the more it just becomes part of part of the show each day but i I think again to your to your question kyle it's 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 it kind of depends you know person by person and you you get to understand the styles over time kevin how much has your overall prep process changed another big thing on twitter is we all like to to post a picture of our spotting charts because we have everything under the sun thrown into a legal document yeah there you go yeah hold it up we have the same format we would up. love to see your prep, Kevin. Yeah, hold it up to the camera. That'd be great. So, Roger, you'll appreciate this. I actually looked for an Alabama chart. Oh, good deal. There you go. But this, so this is a basketball chart, and, and I, I want to. I'm sorry to cut you off, because I want to hear your question. But here you go. This is a. This is my basketball chart. You know, I'll try to. Let me look at one one side here, but it's a lot of information. It's a lot of it's it's color coordination, and I think everybody has their their own style as to what they do and i first off this is shout out time because this is one of my my best friends and a, and a great play-by-play broadcaster uh he's he's still andrew cannell to me i think he, he was he's now aj because he was working at a radio station they wanted kind of a, a cool name but this is his template and he knows i owe him because this it's excellent and everything's kind of categorized so you know you've got you've got player name i've got stats you know, I keep a tally as best as I can of, you know, how many points you have, obviously fouls, you know. And, and one thing that, that Andrew had in his that I really love is there's kind of a differentiation between, you know, kind of bio notes and then kind of statistical trends or rankings. So it's it's kind of compartmentalized here. But, you know, I do it on I do it online or I do it on my my computer. That is an Excel spreadsheet, color coordinated. I like the logo is my favorite part. I love putting the logo in each game, but that's where, and, and Kyle, I want to not to cut you off, but what, what were you going to ask about the, the chart? I, I, I guess to my, my uh, follow up to that would be, so you have that on your chart, but say like for a story yeah. where you have to have a beginning, middle and end and it necessarily, it's not like you can type out a story into a chart. Do you put it in a separate place? Is it just stored in your head when you have to tell a deep story? Yeah. How is that structured in your prep, if at all? Maybe it's just in your head. I wish I pulled one. What, what I started doing this year, so again, you know, you've got on each side of the manila folder is the actual, this is almost like the nuts and bolts. This is the player, the, the height and weight, hometown notes, nuggets, so on and so forth. What I started doing this year was uh, I, I always, for each game, I have a Word document that I have open you know, while I'm, I'm hustling away on my computer, that's just there with the Excel uh, spreadsheet of the actual chart that has just like a running list of exactly what you said, maybe more uh, deeper stories. To be honest, that's where I start my prep there. Like as if I'm looking to kind of get the, what are the, uh, you know, what are the nuts and bolts of, the, of this team? What's the, what are the, the, the first few bullet points of this team? I'll type it there it's a good way for me to kind of start the muscle memory. And then as the week or as the, the few days go on, I'll add more and more and I add more kind of larger stories. So what I started doing was, you know, before the game, basically take, taking the most important uh, pieces of information that again, are, are maybe not specific to one player or to, to one team. And I would put it on a just a separate, you know, legal size sheet, and I would actually tape it on this side of, of the chart. I started doing that this year, and I and it was super helpful. Not so much because I found myself, you know, maybe in game flipping and looking and looking for something from time to time that happened, but it just stored the information for me much better than in the past. Because you know, there's there's a lot of info, and sometimes it's tiny print, and. I think it's it, it kind of facilitates 
you know, kind of regurgitating that that story or note a little a little better, and it kind of flows better than than trying to find it in the moment when you may not have ample time to do so. So that's where I would I would kind of put what's at stake. I I, I basically would put a, a couple a couple bullet points. What has the team done lately? Which way are they trending? What's at stake if if this team wins? If this team loses? So I, I would organize it and basically put it on this side. But before the game, as you're as you're kind of shrinking it down, prioritizing what you want, you're just you're just going through it. So I think the more it, all this stuff is great, but sometimes, and, and I'm sure you guys do the same thing, you may reference something that is you know size seven font fourth line here that you didn't even have to look up because because you went through it because you kind of did your work and and and. You know, during the preparation process, it commit to memory. You can just pull it out. I think that's that's huge for football as well. I mean, you guys know that the football week is a beast. It's a beast, and so the more that there's making this uh, can can sink into your brain, if you will, before you go on the air. I think the better you are, as opposed to saying, "Up, oh, all right, I got everything on this chart. All right, uh, I'll see it. I'll see a tip off," because then you, you know. <laughs> Wait, wait a second. Where is that note you wanted to get to? Where is that story? What are the details? Heck, I do it in my hotel room, often before games. I'll, I'll I, I say, kind of sound out a story. If there's something that I know I want to get into, I may, I may sit there and just recite it, see if it came out properly. If I want to adjust the wording of something, I think if you want, you know, if you know you're going to go into something and you want to do it well, then you know you probably have to do some of that stuff. You got to, you got to. You know, sound like a crazy person sitting alone at your desk and maybe recite a story and see if it, uh, see if it it uh, was worded properly and and did you explain it efficiently enough? You know, efficiency is huge. Can I tell this story? Um, you know, with with the most information but with the fewest words, sort of thing. So I started doing that. I would put it back here, and uh, and, and it just it was a huge help because sometimes maybe in a break you will glance back and you may see something that you haven't brought up yet. Um, and you may do that here as well. You, you may do that on, on either, you know, looking up a, a, a specific tidbit or a story as well. You mentioned that so much of the job is just having fun with the games. And I think that goes with everything around the games. And I noticed on one of your latest demo reels, a lot of it was just some of the fun stuff that you and Dane Bradshaw were doing at shoot around, whether it's wearing, you know, his old Tennessee shorts or, you know, having some fun with Jerry Stackhouse. So what can you tell us about, you know, those kind of opportunities to have fun around the game you're calling and why is it important for you even to put on your reel? Well, first off, I'm lucky to work with Dane Bradshaw, to, to your point there. Former captain at Tennessee. You know, this guy, he was a grinder, great player. And uh, but but he is just a natural. He has that sense of humor as well, just naturally. Very funny. I, you know, I honestly the games are great to your point that going back to having some fun. But I honestly almost cherish the, you know, we, we'll get into whatever, Tuscaloosa or Baton Rouge the night before a game. We'll go out to eat. You know, that stuff is, I almost cherish that as much as, as doing the game because he's just a good person. We get along. So I think a lot of what you just referenced is based on, hey, if you have a good, if you have a great partner who's just a good person, you know, you'll have a little more fun. He's, but he, he comes up with awesome ideas. There's so much that we do and, and he's, he's, you know he's creative, thoughtful. So, but but you're right. I mean, I I, I like to. I, I kind of wanted to highlight the the fun that that we have. Uh, you know, on the air. I, I think it, it behooves everybody to kind of figure out. Hey, what's what's your style? What makes you stand out? Um, you know, everybody is is so many great broadcasters out there, and and, and I think everybody has to determine their own style. So that be, that became a, a thing for us and. And that's, you know, obviously a, a point of emphasis um, from from ESPN too. I mean, they they want you to have some fun, they want you to get creative. And I love that. I really really appreciate that. I know Dane does as well. So he is the perfect, uh, you know, he is he is the perfect guy to play off of. Great friend and 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 just having someone who has that commitment to doing this stuff, Roger, and, and the and, and the the natural. You know the natural humor and, and just 
you know, being a funny person that he is, I think it uh, it helps us and it helps some of these wacky ideas that we come up with. He's willing to do it. So almost, you know, a lot of it just comes down to the person that you're working with. And I've been lucky to work with with uh, with a great guy and, and uh, you know, the production team that helps put it all together. But, yeah, you know, we did. You know, st- styling with Jerry Stackhouse. We, we made him critique his suits and his suit game. He's, you know, he's, he's walking into, you know, he's walking into Humphrey Coliseum with a Tom Ford bag. I mean, you know, he's the only person that's ever doing that. But, but he's, he's got the style. But there's, and there's just interesting people around the league. And I think when, when you do your homework and, and you do your research, you come up with these ideas. A lot of it just is you're in the middle of prep and I, we're shooting each other random blueprints of, of ideas during the week and and it just comes from the prep and getting prepared and you realize hey we can do this with this player or or with with that coach so it's it's having a great teammate and and having some interesting people to cover that uh, that that obviously allows for it so we we certainly we try to have some fun that's a goal each each broadcast we try to do you know something something fun something that maybe it's not totally basketball related but it's hey let's get to know this person i like that beyond just how many points do they score or you know how many years have they coached well we're coming up on what is going to be a strange sports year no matter what happens and there could be a lot of remote broadcasts done the old remy's something i know you've done before uh, kyle and i have had a little bit of experience with it but just any advice for broadcasters across the country who may be calling some games but they're going to be from their house or from a studio and calling it off a monitor yeah i you know it's it, i think the the best advice may be Come to grips with it, you know, because that's if, if that's the reality, that's the reality. And so that's how you're going to have to call the game. And, you know, it, it obviously anybody would rather be there. I think that's why we all have this love for, for live sports. It's live. It's in front of you. You're there. You got to be there to 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 see it, to to report on it. And when, when you lose that, you lose the intimacy. You know, you kind of lose the, the the authentic quality of of being there, but you know, your forecast of, of perhaps how it has to be done moving forward can totally be done and it, and it can be done professionally, of course. And so I think it's just, I had this conversation with somebody and caution, I think is really important, you know, and, and I, you know, on location, I don't like to do, I don't like to say things or, or, uh, you know, start to explain things that I'm not sure of. You know, I, I don't even, even when I'm live in there and can see that my surroundings, I, I don't like to do well. We, we don't know what the injury is. We can't really see. I, it's almost like, and especially when you're going to be in the studio setting, don't don't tell on yourself. I mean, don't begin to, if, if you can't, if you can't kind of confidently confirm something, there's no reason um, to, to basically bring it up. Now, if a player is injured and you're blocked, you've got to say, hey, there's player down. But, if you're not sure that, you know, it was a leg or an ankle or an arm, you know, there's no reason to speculate whether you're on site or, or whether you're in a studio. Well, we can't see this, that, and the other, you know, laying out, waiting, having patience, being cautious. And I think that's of the utmost importance when you're in a studio where, again, you won't, you probably won't have the luxury of, of being able to peek and, and look at something or, or check to see what the coach is doing or, did they take that player back to the locker room? So it's almost like be cautious. When you have that information, the viewer doesn't know what you were thinking of saying or, or the, the viewer or listener doesn't know what you were maybe planning to say. They only know what you do say. So so kind of, you know, kind of have some security when it comes to that and just know that, uh, yeah, the, the, you maybe you might not be able to be as on top of things as you typically are. Who is that tackler? Again, did the injured player go to the locker room? Things that you may have been able to explain and figure out immediately, it'll it'll be kind of a, hey, let's wait on it before you, because there, there are so many things you can go into into a broadcast. There are many other avenues you can go down as opposed to the avenue of, I'm not sure about this, but I guess I'll just say, it's almost, I think, just caution is going to be really, really important. Um, and, and look, I think now more than ever, the viewer and listener, I think, is in on the secret, meaning they know the, the state of 
things in our country right now, you know, they know why a broadcast would be set up this way. So, again, I think it's just having security and all that is going to better the way we would call a game when all you have is is a screen or a couple screens in front of you. Final one from me, Kevin, and your SEC slate has grown over the last year, so you've had a chance to see some of these buildings and see some of the environments. Your favorite SEC hoops environment, what do you got? Have you been to games? Have you done a Florida game recently? So it's it's funny you say that. The There is, and I've, you know, I've seen every team, the one, for whatever reason, the one uh, arena that I have not been in is I want to call it the Odome. What is it now? Exact Tech. <laughs> Steven C. O'Connell Center, Exact Tech exact, at the yeah. Exact Tech Arena. <laughs> Kyle Crooks one. Court. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Me and Billy Donovan, we're, yeah. we're the same. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, you know that's the that's actually the one arena I actually have not been to. So, yeah, I know I don't, I don't know if, if there's pressure on me here to uh, to, to say Coleman. <laughs> you know, and I and I don't want to just jump in. I'm sure a lot of people would would jump immediately to Rupp because there is so much there's so much history behind it. I really love, and I think this is kind of the way of uh, of maybe the future of basketball, college basketball, and football. I love kind of the some of the smaller arena settings, the more the, the more intimate arenas around the SEC. You know, you got like Auburn Arena. I think it seats about eight, nine thousand. Every time I'm there, it's just, you know, you can't hear anything. You got the headset on and you can't hear your partner next to you. That's a great environment. Um, you know, there's 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 a couple others are, uh, around the league that are like that as well, where, you know, you got Ole Miss. You, you've got the pavilion there. But there, you know, there is kind of a special quality. You know, there is a little bit of an aura when you do walk into Rupp Arena, you know, at Kentucky. I mean, everything is there because they you can't miss it. They scream it at you. Here are all the NBA, you know, the, the former Wildcats that are now in the NBA. Here are the national championships. You can't avoid it. You know, their practice facility as well. You can't avoid it. And that's really neat. That that's the history. That's that's that's. Hey, we're, we're we're better than you, and we kind of know it. Sort of like that's that's the the dominate you know the domination of that program over the years, and that's that's pretty neat. And they do fill up that place regardless of of whether it's an exhibition game in October, or or whether it's you know Florida in March. Uh, they they obviously they they obviously pack it out, and that's just the way of the uh, that's that's the the DNA of of a Kentucky Wildcats fan. But no, I I, I truly. And this is not to be politically correct. I, I really, th- th- those, I love every, there are a lot of great arenas. And I appreciate kind of the qualities of all when you are there uh, kind of bouncing around a league. So I, I, I'm i going to have to try to make it to, uh, you know, hope, fingers crossed at some point in the future, we'll, there will be a Kyle Crooks court visit at some point <laughs> down the road. You'll be se- seated right in the Rowdy Reptiles, by the way. You have the student section right fun. behind you. So you'll get a nice greeting. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin, we'll get you out on this. Kyle and I started this show uh, pretty much early on in the pandemic, uh, something every Friday to kind of help pass the time and continue learning about the industry. And I know for you, you've also started your own show, a podcast called One on One. You've started to visit with some SEC basketball coaches just as we head out the door. What can you tell us about it? Yeah, you know, I, it's it's funny. I feel like I, I kind of became like every Every person on earth has a podcast now. Like my mom, my, you know, our family dog has a podcast. But so I, you know, I was, I, I when I was starting, I was like, all right, I, you know, I want to do this, but I feel like I'm kind of following the trend or something like that. But no, it's been fun. It's been fun. Thanks for bringing it up. So I, I started this, 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 this podcast. I, I called it one on one. And I just, to me, it's more of an interview show, you know, kind of like this. I, to me, I, I don't, I don't think anybody, nobody really needs or cares about my opinions or whatever, but I know that there are really, and I know them because I've been able to meet them and and forge some great relationships with insightful, just impactful coaches, administrators, bright players, you know, in in the college hoops world, the college football world, so on and so forth. And, and kind of like what, you know, what you determined there, Roger, I said, you know what, I think this would be neat to maybe basically shine a light on this. I think people who listen to this will appreciate it and will appreciate the philosophies or the stories or the backgrounds, kind of the in-depth 
you know, nitty gritty about whoever it is, Frank Martin, you know, South Carolina's ba- uh, head basketball coach, Mason Jones, you know, the, the SEC, one of the, the, the SEC or co-SEC player of the year this past year at, uh, at Arkansas. You know, because I because I, I know these guys, I know their stories. And and uh, sometimes when you're calling a game, you, you don't have the full chance to really, really share or dive deep into someone's background. And, and I said, you know, what, this could be an avenue to do so. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I, I started it because, um, you know, we're, get, we're getting to this point. I think I looked at my watch and was like, you know what, we got a, we got a long way to go here. So <laughs> might as well might as well have some fun. But it is fun. And, and uh, you know. Some of the some of these guys, they're really gracious to take the time out and do it. So yeah, one on one is the name of the pot. We had Conzo Martin on was the latest guest. I want to talk about just insightful and, and and what a leader he is. He's Missouri's head men's basketball coach. So it's been fun and it's been neat to just dive in a little deeper with with um, with some of these guys that you know we 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 share their story when we're on the air, but sometimes you don't have the full capacity, like thirty minutes on a podcast to dive into some really, really impactful stuff that they do or that they've been through, you know, in their careers, in their lives. Well, we'll look forward to listening to that more and uh, get ready to laugh whenever it's Rick Barnes, because that will be uh, unforgettable yeah. radio coming up when you do have Barnes unfiltered. <laughs> I, got, I got him on deck. He, I got him on the short list of, of future episodes here. This is good. I, I'll, I will be placing the call sooner rather than later then. Oh, it'll be entertaining. Uh, just like this past hour has been, Kevin, you gave us exactly what we wanted to hear. A lot of great philosophy and also really detailing your journey well. You're one of the best up-and-comers uh, in this business. So we really thank you for spending some time with us today. Well, you're really kind to say that. And thank you guys uh, for, for the invitation. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, All right. Kevin. That has been Kevin Fitzgerald. For Kyle Crooks, I'm Roger Hoover. Thanks again for watching this week's edition of Broadcaster Hour.